I'm Logan, and this is another completely different episode of Automatic for the People. It's automatic, it's automatic, it's automatic. Hey everybody, welcome back to Automatic for the People, a Mr. Robot podcast. Uh, Ryan, as I've said repeatedly over the last few episodes, is uh, taking a break from podcasting, so... I'm doing this solo, which means it'll be about five or six minutes long at most, and then I'll uh, just uh, drop in our original discussion of this episode uh, from uh, a while ago now. Um, So we're talking about, uh, we're doing our season three rewatch. We're talking about season three, episode eight, Don't Delete Me, uh, which uh, ramps everything up a uh, huge notch. I mean, uh, it's Angela full on losing it. Um, Elliot uh, fighting uh, or I guess trying to bring out Mr. Robot having discovered uh, what happened with uh, with his, uh, his friends, Trenton and Mobley. Uh, I love him blackmailing the brother into the funeral it's so fantastic and the day out with uh the little brother uh to go see back to the future part two it's just it's such a i said it ramps things up but it really kind of slows things down and kind of makes you focus on elliot again as as a character really rather than just this person propelling the plot along but it does push us into uh the the final uh few episodes of the season with uh a lot of uh uh emotion really uh the opening scene with with his dad um is just it's so heartbreaking i think we theorized that we saw like the origin of Mr. Robot here or not origin but I guess maybe one of the earliest appearances uh, of Mr. Robot. If we were going chronologically this might be a cameo of Mr. Robot. Um, It shows that Elliot has been um, uh, disturbed seems like such a harsh word since a very young age um, and he has the broken arm here, so this is after the fall out of the window, um, which I, I guess Elliot blames his dad for. Um, and it, I don't know, it's just, it's so heartbreaking. And then getting to watch him experience Back to the Future, at least part of it, Back to the Future Part 2, um, in that way, uh, it's, it's really, really sweet. The, the mosque moment is just it's so nice uh, it's it, it's such an incredible episode and there's just I, I, I don't really have any uh, anything to expound upon other uh, as per usual other than my appreciation for the episode a uh, couple of tidbits uh, that I don't know if I knew the first time around but um, uh, well I say a couple um, but really one big one Uh, so there's a song playing at the end 
It's called In Time by Robbie Robb. Uh, that song is featured in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which is a time travel film. So, it's yet another nod to that fact. Um, I don't know. If this show does not wind up having some element of time travel, it will be so much... Uh, the red herring that it's it's impossible uh to really even think about um yeah it's i it's got to be a time travel thing i mean we've been saying it really really early on but there's got to be some element whether it succeeds or not um and there's also the radio broadcast uh when Rami Malik gets picked up uh, by Richard uh, Mazer, Mazer. I'm never sure how to say his name. They're listening to War of the Worlds, the Orson Welles broadcast, which isn't time travel, but it is. Uh, it is kind of a. a I don't know how to put it. Uh, if you don't know the original War of the Worlds story, Orson Welles did a broadcast of War of the Worlds. Uh, in the old days of radio and played it very, very serious. Uh, he was a fairly well-known uh, figure and so it seemed like a news broadcast and there were people who very much believed that it was this news broadcast about, you know, the the end of the world. The Martians had invaded uh, you know, what have you, and then, uh, you know, it turned out, of course, that's not the case, it was just them doing this radio play, uh, of the H.G. Wells novel, um, which, uh, also, um, ties into Back to the Future, um, his, uh, I think Doc's Kids in Back to the Future 3, were named for H.G. Wells and uh, there's a book called From the Earth to the Moon uh, that he wrote about the the first uh, uh, lunar uh, mission which obviously hadn't happened in his lifetime and some of the illustrations that I've I've seen like the book, early book covers and stuff. Like the quote unquote rocket very much looks like a train. And the train in Back to the Future Part 3 is kind of designed with that in mind. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so there's like all these connections there. Um, there is the ruse that is uh, War of the Worlds, somebody pulling the wool over somebody's eyes. Um, over a large population's eyes, which kind of ties into, like, you think this is really about the end of the world, or, uh, or set doing something different in the world, what have you, whatever the uh, five nine hacks were, whatever you think they were, whatever the people that did them think that they were, whatever they thought they were doing, turns out they were just uh, that was all a ruse to hide the fact that something else was going on, you know. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think there's a lot of layers there, which there always is on this show. And I've rambled on for uh, eight minutes now. So uh, here's our original discussion of uh, this episode. I hope you enjoy it, and I'll be back. Uh, we'll be wrapping up the season three rewatch uh, by the end of the week, and then we're Jess and I are discussing Legion. I'm greatly looking forward to that. So I'll see you guys soon. I'm Logan, and I'm Ryan. And this is Automatic for the People. It's automatic, it's automatic, it's automatic. Hey everybody, welcome back to Automatic for the People, a Mr. Robot podcast. Part of the Film Dispenser Podcast Network, of which there are still a few shows. <laughs> and S.H.I.E.L.D. is back on this Friday, so if you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I guess we're going to still do the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Uh, nobody gave a flip about the Inhumans, so I was like, well, I guess we're just done. Um, my idea to do, like, the Marvel-centric TV show podcast didn't really fly with anybody, because, honest to God, who has that amount of time? Um, and, like, I still haven't watched The Punisher, uh, or any of The Runaways, so, or Runaways. I watched I don't the think first episode the of, yeah, it's, I think it's just Marvel's Runaways. But uh, I watched the first episode, it was pretty good. I, uh, I'm gonna catch up with it, but it's just gonna have to wait until, like, the hiatus, you know, when everything's kind of on break, because... I just, I don't have time to watch all this stuff, man. Uh, I mean, I should be watching Well, they like dropped three that. episodes at, yeah. at one time, and then I think now they're just doing it one at a time. Yeah, one so. at a time. Um, I mean, I should be watching that as opposed to, like, Gotham. Gotham. <laughs> but, see, I'm current on Gotham, right? So... I know me, I would want to catch up eventually just so I know. So I, if somebody brings it up, I can talk about the show. Because like, inevitably it's like, well, you watch all the comic book stuff. You like Gotham? No, it's effing awful. Um, or the you love The Walking Dead, right? No, it's terrible. Um, so I should be watching that instead of those shows. But the idea of getting behind on those shows when I'm already current, is... Yeah, I suggest you not get behind because it's pure torture trying to catch up yeah. to this stuff. And it's not like I sit so. down and watch... Like, I want to sit down and watch The Punisher and Runaways. I don't want to put them on and then clean my house. So that, like, I see the first five minutes and the last five minutes and some of the stuff in between, so I just know what's going on. Like, there's no... There's no reason, um, you know, to to stay focused on those shows. So, because there, there's just, especially, like, Gotham things happen so fast that I do miss stuff sometimes. I'm like, whoa, wait, when did that happen? Oh, okay. Um, but The Walking Dead, like, there are three or four episodes into this season, and literally nothing has happened. Like, it's... it's uh, Well, you don't watch uh, Orange is the New Black either. So, like... 
No, I don't. This season of Orange is the New Black, like the end of last season, spoilers, there was uh, a riot. Or the previous season before this season. There was a riot started in the prison. All of this season's episodes were just about the prison riot. So it's like 13 episodes of a show that take place over like a few days. And Walking Dead (laughs) are three or four episodes in. Especially when you're watching, when you're binge watching them. Because they drop all those at once. Now, it's my fault for binge-watching them. But but The Walking Dead is like four episodes in, and they're still doing the same thing they were doing in the first episode. They just keep showing it from different angles. Like, this is what this person was doing during the shootout. This is what these people were doing during the shootout. This is what Negan was yeah. doing during the shootout. And I'm like, oh my god. I don't know if I can handle that. I mean, it's four episodes about the same thing. So, which is a kind of a nice segue into this week's episode of Mr. Robot, which is not an episode about something we've already seen, but it is kind of a a reboot of Mr. Robot, which is weird. It's episode season three, episode eight, uh, or three point seven. If you're following, there starts with zero logic. Um, don't delete me, which is a great name for the episode, considering everything it encompasses. But every time I see the title, I I don't know why, but I think of the "Don't tase me, bro" from like. 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) So. I thought this might be my most favorite episode that I've seen. Really? Yeah. Okay, so we haven't done, like, open with, like, general thoughts in a while. So, like, can you add to that? Why? Um, well, a lot of it had to do with his interaction with the kid. Um... The whole Back to the Future stuff, of course. Um, his brief interaction with Angela at the door, not to jump too far ahead, but oh, that's actually way too far ahead. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> I was about but, to say, that's like almost the very end. But I mean, um, that's fine. We're talking about, and I didn't, I guess I didn't say it. Spoilers. Um, I don't think you really said anything that's too spoilery, but spoilers. No. Um, I love the the conversation in line about what Back to the Future is actually about. Um, because you get two people's point of views, and at the same time, I've got like a completely different kind of point of view about. You know, I mean, you can dig so deep into that movie that it's ridiculous. Um, part two specifically. Um, I I don't know. It's just a lot of stuff in this episode that really, it felt brand new almost. Like a reboot. Yeah. I mean, you nailed it with the reboot comment, (laughs) but, uh, it just felt new and the same, you know, 
all at one time. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. <laughs> um, so my general thoughts is um, I've gone back and forth on this episode. I watched it twice, and while I was watching it the second time, I would like one minute be like, no, I think this is maybe top five episode of the show. And then like two minutes later, I'd be like, no, it might be a bottom five episode of the show. And then I would just go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth because there's almost nothing in it that advances the story until maybe the very end. Um, but really it's just showing us things that if you're paying attention, we already knew, you know, it, it's kind of just filling in gaps. Like it's like, it's like putting a puzzle together. We have like the edges of the puzzle and most of it filled in. And here's like six pieces that we found on the floor that, Oh, okay. So I can definitely see that that's, um, a flower garden, not, just a patch of grass or something, you know? Um, but that doesn't make it any less necessary or even like less of a work of art, kind of. Uh, I know, I'll stick with work of art. I, I think this whole freaking show is a work of art. But yeah. <laughs> um, but on the flip side of that, like almost nothing happens that pushes the show forward that gives us any amount of new information, you know, but what I did like is how Sam Esmail deals very slyly with several things. One being, uh, the, the way a large portion of this country feels about people from the Middle East. Specifically Muslims. Um, yeah, I did like that little... It was very brief, but... And, and maybe... Maybe it should have been more... Focused and pinpoint and... Expansive or whatever to... to more broadly deal with it and say, Hey, guys, this, like, this is like a legit problem. This is not just like some problem we made up for a TV show. This is a real problem. Um, but on the, the other hand, this is not law and order SVU. Um, it's Mr. Robot. It's about something else and like dealing with that and still being its own show. I can appreciate. Um, but again, that's a white dude living in the South saying, well, I appreciate that it wasn't more about, um, the kind of racism or not kind of racism, racism that runs a little too rampant. You know, you're, you're never going to stamp it out. You're not going to stop racism, but well, I mean, I just don't think this is the show for that. Well, that's, that's uh, what I'm saying. You know, I don't, you know, there's a, it's not the There's a spot somewhere to stand on for that, but it's not part of this show. No. It's nice to have the the little statement in there. And uh, the other one is um, the way he 
addresses uh, depression, specifically uh, depression leading to suicidal tendencies. And I really, really found that moving. And while it's not as simple as, oh, like one conversation can completely cure somebody of wanting to kill themselves. It's not that simple. The fact that it really just takes, like, even if you don't know somebody's in that place, because you really don't. I mean, you run into people every day that you have no idea what their situation is. And, like, the way you act towards them can actually determine, you know, pushing them closer to the edge or pulling them away from the edge. And you may never see that person again. But, you know, acting positively towards them could, you know, at least for the moment, save their lives. And while it's, I guess it's arguable about the kid, you know, interacting with him in a positive way, it, it's a, it is still a positive thing that this kid was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to leave you alone. Like you said, you, you know, my sister and like, then you just like F off into the middle of nowhere or to the beach and don't, you know, tell us anything just like, Oh, she's innocent, but you know, there's nothing else I can do. And so I want to know more, you know, and he tricks him into, you know, taking him to the movies and, you know, and just that little, and that's probably not the thing that ultimately pulls him back from that edge he was on. It's the very final interaction with the kid, right? Where he's like, am with I a sucker? Yeah. He's like, oh, you said you didn't feel good. So, you know, you go to the doctor, you get a lollipop. Um, and the kid saying, and like, what's your name? Like, are, am I going to see you again? And Elliot making that promise that, uh, yeah, I'll take you to go see the Martian uh, before you leave. And it's weird because he had promised Darlene, uh, which I'm all over the place, but he had promised Darlene that, like, come over tomorrow or tonight. Was it tonight? I don't remember. And we'll watch, uh, God, I forgot the name of the movie. That movie that they loved that they stole the Mr. Robot mask from. Um, the Halloween movie. I don't yeah. remember. Yeah. We'll watch that and, you know, smoke up or what. I think he says smoke up and, you know, pretend it's the old days. And But he never, like, in my mind, Immediately, I'm like, he's not going to keep that promise just because he's intending to kill himself, to OD on morphine on the beach in Mr. Robot, stop, you know, even trying to do anything. And his, his promise to Darlene to do that is... Not so much a cry for help as it is a like, I'm planning this so that when she gets here and I'm not there, maybe she'll come looking for me and 
you know, that way somebody knows what happened to me. Not, you know, he just never fully intends to do that. He's already made up his mind that he's going to kill himself. So, uh, any, I, that's long and rambling. Do you think I'm, am, am I off base? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, he fully intended to kill himself. Um, you usually do this step-by-step -step thing, but what I didn't get is why did he use someone else's connection that he used, uh, what's his name's brother's connection because to I, get what he wanted. I think it has to be not his usual dealer. Well, I, well, actually a, his previous dealer is dead. Um, I don't know that he's had one since Shayla. Have we seen him? I think we've seen him do drugs, but I don't know if we've seen him interact with a dealer since her. So that could have been leftover morphine or maybe he just, you know, scored a little bit somewhere from somebody, but not an actual dealer. Like he needed enough to kill himself. So, and if you go to somebody you would normally go to. Yeah, they're like, not going to give you. Yeah. No, they're not going to sell you all the morphine they have. I mean, unless they've got like two pills or something. You know, it, it's a pretty hefty bag. And so this, and that guy susses it out, right? He's like, there's only three reasons you buy this much. A, you're a cop or you're a plant for a cop. Uh, B, you're a fellow dealer and you're moving in on my territory. Or B, you're going to kill yourself. And, I mean, he susses it out. He's, you know, he calls it. So, I, I think that's why he needed a different connection. Yeah, you're probably right about it. Well, you're, I'd say you're definitely right about that. So, um, so anyway, yeah, uh, those are my two big, like, things that I, I, I appreciated about the episode. There's a bunch of other little things, but I liked those uh, touches and the way it kind of really subtly dealt with that. Even though I think some of the kid stuff is a little overkill, but on the flip side of that, this is a show that, as we've said repeatedly for three years, wears its influences on its sleeve. And a lot of those influences are 80s movies, and a lot of 80s movies uh, deal with, are, are actually, in this case, 90s movies, deal with kids interacting with adults on the adult level, but with <laughs> the kid mentality. You know what I mean? Right, and also with the kid becoming the um, what was, how, mature, yeah, the mature person of of the relationship. Right. So, um, yeah, it just like I said, I went back and forth. I think ultimately where I'm at is, I don't know if it's a top five episode. Um, I do think it's a great episode, though. Um, for I mean, those the reasons, opening alone. So where 
I, I, I texted Spencer and I actually have some thoughts from him that I can share and said, have you watched Mr. Robot yet? This was last night. He said, no. Um, I said, okay, well, I, I raved about last week's opening. Um, but I mean, come on, using the Knight Rider theme, that is just brilliant. Um, and I said that that is probably second best compared to the Full House opening. This might beat the Full House opening. Maybe not. I need to go back and rewatch it. But it's pretty damn good. The only thing that might take the Full House over the top is Alf. But... Well, Alf's not in the opening, though. I know, but he shows up. <laughs> Once this opening happens, we immediately go back into our world. The Full House episode stayed in character the entire... Well, was it the entire episode? Almost the entire Almost episode. the entire episode. So, uh, I mean, if you're lost, then you didn't watch the episode. Um... But we start out with a flat, well, so we start out with the previously on that reminds us of several things that we're going to need to know, uh, specifically about Trenton, um, you know, but I mean, I, I can appreciate that. Obviously, sometimes you need that because it would just feel like, oh, it's convenient that he recovers an email from Trenton. When she very specifically says, "I emailed it to somebody I trusted." Yeah, well, I knew who that was. Did you, did did you have any doubt who it was? I thought it might be Elliot, but on the flip side of that, like, I don't know why she would trust Elliot. I didn't think there was anybody else she could trust. Yeah. Would I, you trust Darlene? No, I, I don't. I'm. I thought it might be somebody we don't know yet. When I see Darlene, I think about someone that's related to both of us, who I, can be a good person, but when worse comes to worse, when the chips are gonna, down, yeah, yeah, she's just. You better run fast because she's she's going to put you in a corner. Yeah, <laughs> and nobody puts Mister Robot in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Darlene, I don't know how I feel about the fact that Darlene and Angela have both become characters we can't really trust. Not that we can trust anybody on this show, um, but one of the things I genuinely loved about season one was I thought that the, the female cast was so solid and so uh, varied and just well represented and there wasn't this like oh kind of typical things you see in movies and well, TV shows but now I feel like the that now that two I know what yeah I know where you're headed two of the main female characters have completely flown off the rails um they're still great at they you know, are, I'm not saying they're not great, and, and they are... But I mean, the one that we can love the most, that keeps us anchored in... She's never in the show. Who? Dom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were thinking about his therapist. Um, no, you're right. Um, but the, all that is... I, I'm 
pretty sure about the change. We called it last week. Uh, I don't know if you paused it and read the email that Trenton sent, but I mean, there's going to be some, some Elliot. This is Dom. Dom, this is Elliot or Mr. Robot. I didn't read the email. So what did it say? Since we're already at the end of the show. (laughs) (laughs) No, let's stick to the beginning. We're, We're in the beginning. So, um, the flashback. Is uh, a they're going to see Shallow Grave, which is a movie Ryan had never heard of. Um, for those that don't know, that is Danny Boyle's, I believe, first film. And it came out in 1994, which I just now found out might be the most important year in film history mm. ever. <laughs> Modern history. It's at least in the. Yeah, it's at least in the top ten. <laughs> So, I mean... Maybe top five. We could run down the list. Um, no, we pro- can do that at the end if we have time. Probably the two most important uh, films are uh, Shawshank Redemption and uh, Ryan would put the second one first, but Pulp Fiction. Um, no, Shawshank is pretty a pretty impressive film. So... Um, but there's also Lion Especially King. when you talk about the novelist. You're like, really? That's a that's a Stephen King novel? <laughs> yeah. Um, Lion King, Leon the Professional, Natural Born Killers, Dumb and Dumber, Ace Ventura, The Mask. I told you we um, can run down that at the end. So, anyway. So, uh, yeah. Uh, lots of great films from 1994. Lots of not great films, but memorable films from 1994. Um, And lots of... I was thinking, like, defining, like... I don't know if I call a lot of... Right here, right now. Well, no, I mean... Look at those indie films and those... Well, I mean, you might uh, be right. Like, I I would not consider The Mask and Ace Ventura defining films, but they are actually career-defining films for Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey is not Jim Carrey if those two movies do not come out in 1994. I mean, they... they not just come out, they just... They turned him into a superstar, man. Literally, almost overnight, you know, he Yeah, he went from a 30-minute television show into Ace Ventura, into the guy that plays The Mask, and he was an instant superstar. Yeah. He could do anything he wanted. And it's kind of odd because I think... This episode also takes some themes, not necessarily elements, but thematic elements from a uh, movie that Jim Carrey's in, which is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah, which might be his best film. But I mean, I like the the whole show a lot. Yeah, I do like the Truman Show. The, The whole idea of like, don't delete me is a very. Uh, eternal sunshine kind of idea, right? So, yeah, very much. Yeah, you know. Well, let's move on through Mr. Robot. <laughs> so the flashback, anyway, because uh, since we're still at the beginning, do you think that we just saw the death of Elliot's dad? Probably because the whole sitting down in the movie and shh, the movie's about to start. 
Not did we just see the death of his dad. We, we saw, saw the, the birth time. of Mr. Robot. Yeah, he saw Mr. Robot. Yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree with that. Um, I would be shocked if that wasn't the death of his dad. That if we get something beyond that. if I think if we do get something beyond that, it'll be a final hospital scene. You know what I mean? Like, they rush him to the hospital and he's on his deathbed. So, uh, but I guess only time will tell there. Uh, then we get best opening credits of all time. Our second best opening credits of all time. Uh, with the very retro Mr. Robot uh, title sequence. Did that not take you back to watching the movies in the early 90s? It reminded me so much of... Honestly, the whole opening sequence, um, what which our dad was never one to put M&Ms in his popcorn. He would probably be pissed if you did that. Um, but the whole, like, going to the movies with your dad thing is, I mean, it, it did take me back to uh, us being a, in fact, I would say, uh, like, to 1994 specifically, I think we saw, maybe not with specifically him, we saw a lot of freaking movies that year. That Christmas, we saw either the worst or second worst movie on our Christmas movie outings that we ever watched. It was uh, Street Fighter. Yep. <laughs> Which is horrible. Hey, man, Raul Julia made a good uh, M. Bison. Why, why? I mean, he's a fantastic actor, and the fact that that's his last performance is just a shame. <laughs> um, all right, so we jump to the present day, um, and, and I'm not, I'm trying to, like, kind of push us through, because I could spend the whole episode just talking about that opening sequence and the fact that we saw the birth of Mr. Robot. I don't think either one of us is taking that lightly. It's just... No, I. that's part of what made it probably my favorite episode we've had. So, jump to the present day. We get Elliot kind of coping. We find out it's been three weeks when Darlene shows up since everything we saw in last week's episode. So I wanted to ask you for a second. Did you think we were still in a flashback? Um, not really. No. When she beat on that door, I was like, I couldn't put the pieces together. But I was like, it seems to be a common flashback of her beating on the door and (laughs) people beating on Elliot's door. seems to be a fairly common thing. So, he uh, he decides to do. Excuse me. Now I got I got the hiccups just all of a sudden. So this will be a fun podcast. Um, he decides to do a wipe, uh, wipe down his whole computer. It's kind of a not to go back to what I was talking about a few episodes ago, but the way the show constantly like mirrors itself and and recycles things that we've seen before. Um. You know, this is a straight-up callback to season one. Um, I think we talked about it a lot. How, like, oh my god, we saw him like drill through a hard drive. I want to do that so bad. 
and we still haven't done it. Um, but before he does, he makes uh, Burns Funny of thing CDs. is, I have three hard drives just waiting. I have one sitting in storage. <laughs> oh, yeah. and I, like, I can't even, like, it's just fried. I, so there's nothing there. Um, but yeah, he makes those CDs. Uh, one of them's Bruce Springsteen, and one of them's DJ. Loved it. Yeah. <laughs> you knew I loved it as soon as you saw him write Springsteen on there. One of them is DJ Mobley, which I didn't look up. Is Mobley DJ Mobley? Was he a DJ? I don't know if he was a DJ, but there definitely was an ad. Did it not say DJ Mobley on the advertisement? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, for the end of the world party? Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, I was like, oh, okay. So that's kind uh, kind of referencing... That he was a DJ. So, yeah. Um, anyway, I thought that's what it was referencing, but I didn't have time to go back and kind of double check all that. So, but if you're saying that, that yeah, then we'll just go with that. That that's what it was kind of referencing. Um, uh, forget where I was going. Oh, he's reading those headlines before he does the, uh, the wipe and I paused it and read all of what he was reading. Um, the only thing that I found truly shocking was that Trenton was 18. I don't know if we knew that. I knew she was young. 18 seems really young. Yeah. I didn't know that either. So I would have guessed 21, not 18. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, oh, there was another thing the, um, in the article, it mentions the F society arcade and how it was, um, like it's kind of sorted history, which we've heard about before, but I don't think since season one, um, Romero was talking to Mobley, I think, about how he doesn't say it's cursed. The article says that the property is cursed. But, like, the people that used to own it, um, the dude went crazy and, like, killed his family or something like that. So, it's... And now it's Mr. Robot's... Or it was Mr. Robot's base for F-Society... And, I mean, Elliot's nuts. So, I, I did think that was an interesting callback to something that I think everybody has shrugged off. You know what I mean? No, yeah, yeah, I can agree with you. So, I got some info on Mobley. Mobley's not his real name, his hacker name is Mobley. It was right. taken from a DJ that he likes to listen to named DJ, DJ Mobley. Okay. Which, in turn, makes me think that Trenton's name is a hacker name. It is a hacker name. Yeah. Taken from... The article says all that. Okay. Trenton, New Jersey, where she was born. Or where she was... No, her brother was born. Yeah, where her brother was born. Sorry, she's actually Iranian. She's an immigrant. Um, It lists their real names, but I didn't write them down. So, and... I honestly would screw them up, so, like, I'm not even going to try. 
No, they. I. I thought we knew that they were their hacker names because when they're gonna plant the uh, Raspberry Pi, I think Romero uses uh, Mobley's real name or something like that, and he like freaks out in the van. That's right. I forgot about that. So I think we we already knew that those it's just not something that's come up but I mean you're a hackers fan you know you don't go by your real name you go by your hacker name but they have names like acid burn well that's because that movie was trying to be cool nobody actually you know has only 14 year old or not even Eight-year-olds who think that they're, you know, genius have names like Acid Burn or what was... Crash Override. Yeah. What cereal was, Killer. <laughs> yeah, spelled like the breakfast cereal. Um, what was... What's his name's handle? Who, Joey? I don't know their names in the, the movie, man. The guy so, that plays Joey's Sherlock Holmes. Joey's the one all the cigarettes. No, though... Though, Johnny Lee Miller. Oh, he was uh, Crash Override. Was it Crash Override? Oh, you mean his first name. Yeah. It, oh, God, I don't remember, man. Because Justin was like, man, I used to use that as my my handle. I love that movie. Shout out to Justin. Hope he's doing good. I yeah. don't think he listens to our podcast. He's probably not listening to us. <laughs> um... It was something ridiculous, though. You're looking it up, right? Of course I'm looking it up. So, I mean, going from there, go to the Matrix, man. Their names are uh, Morpheus, Neo, and Trinity. Nobody uses their real names. So, that uh, that's just the hacker way. So, they're like superheroes. Yeah, it's like Crash and Burn. God, that movie's terrible, man. It's good, though. Did it come out in 1994? 95. Uh, close. So close. So it was made in 1994. Um, I don't remember where I was going with all that, man. <laughs> you sidetracked me. Uh... But yeah, though we we do see their real names in the the article. Um, so jump to Darlene showing up. You know, Elliot kind of breaks everything down and talks about how you know E Corp is going to be just fine because what they wanted to happen happened. Like no matter what, what they still got what they wanted. You know, E Coin is now the the money of the future and. You know, he talks about how it doesn't matter if he gets rid of Mr. Robot or not because he did what he did and he did it because he liked it. Like that he wanted that and he wanted to keep Mr. Robot alive. And it's the beginning stages of him understanding that like, okay, or him coming to the, the conclusion that I have to end this. Like only I can end this. So, this is it. This is my last day. And 
that's kind of what we we see him making amends, so to speak. Like he drops his, you know, he makes plans with Darlene to do one thing that he knows they both love. Um, he drops off his dog to the landlord, and ensuring that the dog is taken care of. Um, he he says goodbye to his clothes, you know, specifically the Mister Robot shirt. Um, which if there's any kind of, um, I don't want to call it a deus ex machina, but kind of like head scratching, like, sure, I guess moment. It's when the shirt shows back up at the end. I know. I was like, okay. (laughs) I mean, that's even more bizarre than, uh, the dad from Mr. Boogity showing up and being like, Hey, I can take you wherever you want to (laughs) go. I can't believe you just said the dad from Mr. Boogity. He was oh. in, I, he was in a bunch of stuff, but I, every time he shows up at something, I'm like, hey, it's the dad from Mr. Boogity. I wish I could find that movie. Um, yeah, you can't. Zero cool. Zero cool. That's what it was. Uh, yeah, it's stupid. Johnny Lee Miller as Dade Murphy. A.K.A. Zero Cool. <laughs> I want to see a, a... Like, I need Ben Scully to come out of retirement and announce these people like they're in the starting lineup. Angelina Jolie as Kate Levy. A.K.A. Acid Burn. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> That's... Well, I mean, it would sound much better than me doing it because I've got a cold and I'm all stopped up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not not only am I recovering from my cold, so you'll hear some sniffling. Ryan now has a cold. So, you know, this is like the best podcast ever, man. I know, passed on down the line. <laughs> uh so yeah, we see him making amends for things. He goes to um uh oh, God. Uh, Mobley's brother's house. Yeah, who has a baseball bat. <laughs> Dude's a total douche, man. So, you know. but, well, at first I'm I'm like, why does he have a baseball bat? And then you come to understand that obviously people have been harassed. I mean, he shows his front lawn and it's so, just trashed. Yeah. <laughs> so, which is, again, another way that this show is like, it's Sam Asmel subtly showing like, you know, other people paying for the sins of people that either A, they're not remotely associated with, or B, are somehow related to, or associated with, or, you know, and it's... Well, I mean, I can kind of relate this to real life right now. I might stick my foot in my mouth, but um, Tennessee recently hired a guy to be their head coach. And on the word of one person, because he used to coach at Penn State with Joe Paterno and that other a-hole that got arrested for the child molestation and stuff. Um, before Tennessee could name him their head coach, they immediately fired him as their head coach <laughs> with no no kind of 
you know, research involved or, and this is all I've, what I've understood from, from the news radio, the sports talk radio. Right. So it's, you know, I haven't interviewed anybody or anything, but, uh, yeah. And that's just the kind of world that we live in. Well, we, uh, know, I wouldn't say we know him extremely well, but we've known him for several years, um, probably close to half our life. Are you talking about the youth pastor? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I think we brought, may have brought up before a guy who, uh, was arrested for soliciting, um, a minor, like, in I think, uh, possession of child pornography. Like, we know his wife. We know a, a lot of his friends. We a know, lot of his family. And if you, I guarantee you, if you asked any one of them if they had any idea, they would tell you no. Because when I found out, my first thought was there's been some massive mistake. Because I know this guy, and he's got, like, solid gold heart, man. Would help anybody out that he could. And there was just this dark side there that nobody knew about. Or nobody that, you know, that was close to him, I guess, knew about. And it doesn't make everybody else complicit in anything he did or guilty by association of anything he did. I mean, you would think um, his wife would know, right? You know, like you would have to know that something was wrong. And, I mean, I don't think she did. So, you know, it when stuff like that happens to people you know, then it kind of makes, like... It's easy for us the not to get too real worldy, but like the Las Vegas gunman, like how did nobody know? How did nobody know this this dude was gonna go insane and try to slaughter a concert full of people with his massive armada of guns? How did nobody know this? But then you like think about it on the smaller, not that it, the child porn thing is a smaller scale. But, you know, anyway, whatever. We won't get into that. I mean, how did nobody know? So, like, incorporating that back into the show, kind of what we're talking about is, like, you see it with Trenton's family and you see it with Mobley's brother. Like, they're taking the attack for what their uh, uh, sibling and daughter were are being held responsible for even though we know that they're innocent you know and that's that's well that's just like us looking on the outside of everything else and going how did y'all not know well that's what i'm saying not to say that the las vegas guy was innocent or right that's what i'm saying you know so these people are paying the price you know and being um hounded and tormented by outsiders or other people or whatever, you know, because they're just guilty by association, 
you know, and that's just, that, that's terrible, man. And it's not something you really think about it until you kind of flip the camera and kind of look at it from another point of view. So, yeah, well, I, I mean, I watch, a I watch a lot of, uh, there's a, a channel called the ID channel investigation discovery. Um, I watch a lot of it. So yeah, there's a lot of that family type stuff where they talk to people's brothers, mothers, sisters, fathers, uncles, aunts, and they're just like, we had no idea. And so it just, it happens that way. They're, that's what makes them so dangerous is because they're able to pull this like complete 360 on people that you can't believe that it's them. There's well, no way. Um, well, I mean, his brother apparently just assumes that, okay, yeah, he was guilty. Um, and I don't well, know that's if, somebody that reads the news and yeah. assumes that it's all true. And I don't know if Trenton's parents felt that way or not. I don't think I, her I got the feeling did. that that yeah, her brother did, and her father didn't want to. Right. So, you know, like I, so, but it, it's also kind of like opening up this more conspiracy theory aspect of like, okay, if all these people are like, I had no idea, I can't believe that this person that I know could do something like this. Is there something bigger behind that? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Because we know that they're not innocent because they were responsible for the hack, but they're not the terrorists that they're made out to be. But, I mean, they they were guilty, you know. In a court of law, they're guilty. So, um, it just maybe shouldn't have gone down the way it did. So, although I don't know that years and years in prison would help either one of them. So, anyway, all that's... So, he goes to see Trenton's family, kind of gives his plea to them, his apology, says that <coughs> she she didn't do it. You know, she's not that person. And uh, Trenton's brother decides to follow him to his suicide. Which uh, was fun. I love their exchanges. I, I thought it was fun and still natural, you know? <coughs> well, it felt like a lot of him arguing with himself. Yeah, it was like his his younger self, kind of him. And, and I guess that's the reason for the, the flashback at the beginning or part of the reason is that we're seeing that there's still this lost kid inside of him, you know, lost because he's scared and he doesn't know what's happening. You know, somebody he loves and trusted hurting. Um, you know, we, we completely skipped over his dad asking him for forgiveness and him saying, no, I'll never forgive you, you know, which is just, I mean, that's a knife to the heart, man. <laughs> So, sorry, I had to put a cough drop in because I couldn't stop freaking coughing. I kept having to mute my mic. 
So, sorry, everybody. Yeah, I meant, I meant to buy some on the way home. That's why I keep muting my mic, too. <laughs> I don't know how your cold traveled all the way to Columbus. Because I got my cold from Columbus, man. Oh, from Kelly's Kids. Yeah. That's where mine came from. So, well, actually, I think I got it from KJ, who got it from uh, Jace. So, and I imagine you got yours, well, I mean, just because they're all Me kids. and Casey got sick at the same time. Yeah, so, so there you go. Um, anyway, enough about our cult. <laughs> uh, so they, they that's go. what boarding school is for, people. <laughs> Send your kids off; they won't get you sick. You won't have lice. So Elliot <laughs> postpones um, his suicide to take this kid to go see a movie, or actually, he tries to take him home first. Parents aren't home. He the kid convinces Elliot to go see a movie, and it actually. Happens to be the date that Marty McFly travels to the future and back to the future part two. Yeah, we got dated on this episode twice. Once with Mr. Well, with his dad at the beginning was 1994 in the theater because they were going to go see. uh... Now I can't remember the name of the movie. Shallow Grave. Shallow grave. But there was a bunch of other stuff playing, including Casper. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, and then once again, we get dated again with this is. I lost you. Blah, 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 blah. I lost you. So, What'd you say? This is that when they went to go see Back to the Future, that was the date that Marty went back to the future or into the whatever it was do you know what day it is um because do you remember the constant memes that no, would yeah, show I up do. on Facebook and they were always wrong what two years ago they were three years ago they were right maybe it was four years ago it was two years ago I thought it was 2015 it's 2017 dude So it was two years ago. You're talking about the date that he shows up. I think I've Hold confused on. you. Yeah, you just confused the crap out of me. <laughs> what day did he show up in 2015? Because for, for, it would change for a while. Like, I think in like 2013... Like, all the memes would say, it's in 2013, it's in 2013. Like, no, they travel almost exactly 30 years into the future. So it's always 2015. And then it started showing up, oh, it's it's uh, April of 2015, or it's March of 2015, or whatever. Like, nope, that's no, it's, never what it is. Is it September or November? It's October. Okay, well, in between. Uh, October 5th, uh, 2015. 1955. Nope. That's the first one. 1985. That's 30 years in the past. October 26th is the present time in 1985. 
So then they go to October. 21st, 2015. Okay. So I just had the 26th wrong. Yeah, 2015. The 26th is the day in 1985. That's what I just said. I thought it was 2015. You said, no, it's 2017. Yeah, the... The... um, I'm saying this year is 2017. I know what year we're living in now. <laughs> you said it was three years ago. I said, no, it was two years ago. You said, I thought it was 2015. And I said, yeah, and this is 2017. So it no, was I two said years two. ago. I said two. You just heard three. Okay. <laughs> I, I swear to God, dude. <laughs> Everybody replay that and hear him say three. Spencer will text me while he's listening and confirm that you said three. Well, maybe I had a cough drop in my mouth or something. And the, uh, I'm wrong. The day he shows up in 1955 is November 5th. That's what I thought it was November. In 1955. Yeah, November 5th, 1955. Right. Because that's what Doc says. He leaves a week later on November 12th. 1955. That's the day that. Yeah. Yeah. Because so. he's punching it in the... Yeah. So... So, yeah. Anyway. It's almost 30 years both ways. That's the point. Uh, <laughs> Which it might be, because he might have done enough research to make it exactly... Because, you know, the dates and times yeah. change. So. Like exactly 30 years. Yeah. Like, to the day. So, um, anyway... So they go see the Back to the... Or they try to go see the Back to the Future marathon. And the kid dips out like five minutes into the movie. Which is just insane. I I, know. I was like, dang it, man. (laughs) I love them standing in line, though. Like, it weirdly enough reminds me of the one scene I kind of like in Annie Hall. The Woody Allen movie. Like, they're standing in line waiting for a movie, I think. And they're, like, talking about either what the movie's about or what some play is about or something like that. I, obviously, I don't love it that much. But it, I remember it making me laugh at the time. So, um, yeah, so the Back to the Future 2 stuff. Um, I mean, it doesn't really get better than that and I don't know if we can talk about Back to the Future any more than we already do or already have I mean we had a whole episode devoted to it at once um, at one time so which is still up uh, if it's not on iTunes which it should be you can go over to Film Dispenser and just look it up um, it's our well I don't want to speak for you it's my favorite Back to the Future movie really? Yeah. No, I'm like, really, you don't want to speak for me? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say it's yours and you'd be like, no, I mean, I still like the first one best. So I was pretty sure that it was your favorite Back to the Future movie. Pretty sure it's the <laughs> first movie I ever was given on VHS. Really? Like actual in the box. Mine was The Burbs. Yeah, and that's the same year I got Back to the Future Part 2. Huh. 
You know, I still have my copy of The Burbs and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on VHS. It's the first two movies I owned. You should rip that commercial and put it up on uh, YouTube. <laughs> the Pizza Hut commercial? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty great, man. I'm pretty sure it's already on YouTube. Um, if you go to IMDb and go to Back to the Future Part 2, they have the preview for Jaws 19 on there. <laughs> Uh, I, did you see the dude in the Jaws costume? Uh, no, I wasn't paying attention. There's so many good Back to the Future 2 costumes in that. that uh, the, the dude with the glasses was fantastic. Like, can you hold hey, my can, flux can capacitor? Can you hold my glasses? No, yeah, no yeah, can you hold my capacitor while I polish my glasses? <laughs> so, Elliot sees that the kid is gone. He runs out of the theater. Um... We're skipping over so much stuff, like the the mirroring of Elliot showing the kid the popcorn thing, you know, and kind of coming to terms with what it meant for his dad to take him to the movies, not well, just what it meant for him to get to go. All this is part of what made it my favorite episode. Um, but if if we have to stop and tell you that's what was going on there, you, you have no business watching <laughs> Ryan's getting belligerent with the audience. <laughs> I'm, I'm just telling you. If you Look, if, if you, you couldn't put that together, just stop watching the show because you're too dumb to keep watching. Stop it. watching TV. I mean, go just stick to Gotham. <laughs> I can understand if you were if we're talking about uh, the leftovers here, and I'm sitting over here sounding like an idiot because I have no idea what that show was about. But. Uh, no, that was pretty easy to figure out. Well, By the way, I just finished The Leftovers. And <laughs> I'm you, still clueless on to what the hell was going hey, on at that time. Hey, <laughs> hey, Spencer, I know you're listening to this. Text Ryan and tell him what happened at the end of The Leftovers. <laughs> he doesn't get it. <laughs> no, I mean, I kind of get it, but at the same time, I'm like, do we need 30 episodes of television to tell this story? <laughs> I felt that way after like two episodes. So, I mean, does that make you feel any better? <laughs> no, because I watched the next two seasons. And I should have stopped watching it. <laughs> uh, well, now you don't ever have to go back and watch any more of Lost. Oh, I will uh, never watch Lost, ever. I watched the first season was like, wow, this is great. Watch six ep- episodes of season two. It's like, nope, I'm done. Kind <laughs> <So. laughs> <coughs> of did the me. same thing with The Walking Dead. Watch the first two seasons. Watch season three, the first four episodes, and was like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he leaves the theater, and which <laughs> just very briefly. Don't care. Not one bit. In fact, like, um, there's a scene in Legends of Tomorrow that depicts something, I mean, pretty similar in a, in a far more up-close fashion, which I, like, wanted to slow clap for when I watched the crossover this past week. But what is up with those two dudes making out in the lobby? Was it dudes? I didn't yeah, know. I'm pretty sure. I wasn't paying attention. 
I mean, but they're just going at it, man. No, but since you brought it up, when Wentworth Miller kissed what's-his-name, I was like... Spoilers! I was like, okay. Spoilers for... definitely an alternate universe. Spoilers for Crisis on Earth X. Um, Sorry for... I don't think it's a major spoiler. It's... Kind of no, like that's a if that's the spoiler then yeah well it's kind of like finding out that Thor only has one eye so yeah too late you are, you should have watched the preview or you should have watched the movie one you should have went and saw Thor sorry <laughs> um so uh, so yeah we'll we'll talk about that in a very briefly in a minute um so yeah he goes off to find the kid uh, he's at a um, mosque. And they have a nice little heart-to-heart. I'm skipping over the Mr. Boogity's dad thing. Um, Yeah, we already talked about it, so. Yeah. Uh, Which, let me say, the the actor's name is Richard... I don't know how to say it. Mazer? Mazer? He does a a lot of crap with Disney, I think. Um, I think he's still done a few things with Disney over the last 10 or 15 years. I mean, he's only in Risky Business, The Thing, uh, My Girl. um, Oh, I forgot about My Girl. He's in... um, Actually, he showed up in Orange is the New Black um, for a few episodes over the last... Over the few seasons. He's been in Transparent. Um, He's been in... He was in Bored to Death. He's great in Bored to Death. It's a fantastic show. Um, dude's been in a ton, ton, ton of stuff. Like, he has not stopped acting. But yeah, for, he's just always that guy. For whatever reason, when he shows up in anything, I'm like, hey, it's the dad from Mr. Boogity. Uh, which, for anybody who doesn't know, Walt Disney used to have these Sunday night movies called Walt Disney's World... Wonderful World of Color, which <laughs> sounds a lot worse than what it is. But, no, but there were three important movies that came out of that series. Mr. Boogity, The Brat Patrol, and you can't name the third one, can you? Yeah, hold on. It's with... Uh... It's on the tip of my tongue, man. Uh, just in case. Just, yeah, just in case. George Carlin. Yep. So, those were the three biggest movies that came out of that. And if you don't know the Brat Patrol, look it up on IMDb and look at the cast. You can't really find those movies. No, you can't find Anywhere, them. But look at man. the cast of Brat Patrol. Mm. It's ridiculous. You're like, wow, those people went on to be some pretty big stars. Well, in their right, they were pretty big stars, like, at the time. Of course, now they're just nobodies, except for, uh, what's his name? I Uh, think by the time those movies came out, they were just called, it was just called the Disney Sunday movie. Um, Because that's what I remember it being called. Yeah, it probably was. Um... Yeah, there was, uh, I want to say there was a few, um... Well, there was like three Mr. Boogities. No, there was only two. I Mr. Boogity like... and Bride of Boogity? 
And then I thought there was like another one, like the return of Boogity or something like that. Mm, I don't think so. Unless he's just not in it. So. Maybe, maybe he's just not in it. So. Um, yeah, maybe there were three. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Uh, I was trying to find a list of movies. But it's, if you're looking on IMDb, it's hard to find, dude. Uh, kind of like in that time frame? Uh, it's yeah. because of the different names of the show over over a well, seven Because they're, they're considered episodes of the TV show. They're not right. movies in their own right. And the, the name of the TV show changed like three times over seven years. So, so well, I mean, it's hard to find. It was, uh, it was, it, it'd been going for a while. Yeah, for like 15 years. No, it was longer just... than that. It'd been going, because it was considered part of like the, the Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color or whatever. And it would change to something else and then it would change to something else. So, um, anyway, all that's beside the point. So, uh, I actually did just find a list. So, (laughs) (laughs) I I killed Ryan. (laughs) Sorry. I'm laughing as you choked the over there. Uh, Somebody called 911. Ryan's dying. No, I'm good. <laughs> oh, man. It was just funny. You're like, actually, I just found a list. <laughs> uh, not Quite Human. Was that one of those? Or was that a movie that they turned into? No, I'm pretty sure that was one. Uh, I think maybe The Boy Who Could Fly was one they turned into a... Uh, Walt Disney movie night or whatever. I feel, nah, I don't know. Maybe not because I feel like, um, like we saw Flight and the Navigator as part of the Sunday night movie, but it was, I'm pretty sure, an it actual, actually came out, yeah. yeah, an actual movie that they just edited for their Sunday night movie because they did that a lot too. They would just show edited versions. Of, yeah, because we saw Peach Dragon that way. So. Yep, because we used to have a tape with Peach Dragon and the Brat Patrol on it. So, um, and it actually only had like the second half of the Brat Patrol on it. Did it? Yeah, you don't remember that? No. For at least fifteen years, I had only seen the second half of Brat Patrol. Hmm. You actually found it and put it on a disc. Before I'd ever seen the first half That's of That's not Patrol. true. I don't pirate movies. I didn't say you pirated it. I just said you put it on a disc. Well, that's pirating, man. <laughs> no, it could be a backup copy. Yeah, it's a backup copy of a movie that was never released on DVD. Oh, well, then that's <laughs> Disney's fault. I think we should sue them for never releasing it. There are only two Mr. Boogity movies. Mr. Boogity and Bride of Boogity. So. See, I swear I thought there was like three. Nope. So that's the end of that. We'll see you guys next week. (laughs) Boogity Boogity. (laughs) 
Um, oh, wait, no, there's more in the episode. Um, so Elliot kind of has his, wait, I do have something to live for moment. Um, he goes to Mobley's brother's house and blackmails him into uh, giving Mobley a proper funeral, which he wants an invitation to. And uh, This is where what I said at the beginning of the show of the same but new or same but different. <sighs> this is the return of the blackmailing Elliot that's yeah. like, Black- no, you're going to do this. Yeah, because it's the right <laughs> thing to do. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, I, yeah, you're right. Um, he, then he goes, then he goes to see Angela. So, and we get more references. Like, there's a lot of hints about. You got to take a step back to the brother. He pulled out the bag of. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he pulled out the bag of a uh, morphine, morphine, and threw it at his brother, and said, "Maybe you can make enough money off of selling this to your contact to have your brother a proper, proper funeral." Yeah. So that's when you find out that Elliot got that morphine from his brother's illegal contact. Who he tapped into emails between him and his employer, and so he had he had everything he could have on uh, what what's his name's brother. So, um, <clears throat> so take a small step back and just want to say I I got curious and I looked up the Brat Patrol. Um, Chris Carter co-wrote that movie, the guy that created the X Files. That's pretty funny. Yeah, um, <laughs> and and who are who who's in the movie? Remind me. Uh, the only two really big names are Sean Astin and Nia Long. Nia Long, yeah, but there's the a bunch of other minor good stars, minor roles, right? Yeah, yeah there's a bunch yeah. of like I, I hate to call anybody minor, but minor stars. Um, lots of actors you'd recognize. But uh, anyway, uh, back to Mr. Robot. Uh, so he goes to see Angela, and they have a very romantic, non-romantic moment. Um, and talk about how they, like, so we get the Back to the Future stuff. We get the moment in the mosque with uh, Trenton's brother talking about how he could become president and change everything and go back and somehow save his sister. <clears throat> and then we get... Elliot talking to Angela about how they used to like wish and close their eyes and they thought, you know, everything would be different if they just wished hard enough. Um, I'm wondering if this is Sam Asmel's way of saying, yeah, what you guys think is going to happen and specifically me, like he's pointing his finger at me going like what you think is going on is not what's going on. It's not about time travel. It's not about alternate universes. It's not. A, it's about people who want to change the past to change the future. And really what it boils down to is what that lady so passively uh, says Back to the Future Part 2 is about in line, which is one mistake 
can change the future. And, but on the flip side of that, Back to the Future Part 2 is literally about going back to the past to correct that mistake. So, I don't know. I'm kind of back and forth on this thing now. So, yeah, that's what made that conversation in line. So, just almost mind-blowing, even though you knew that's that was the case with the movie. <laughs> I mean, like, you knew that it was one mistake that changed the future. But, but they see, had to go back to the past to change the future. Again. Like, that's them fixing the mistake. So, you know. Which still boils down to one mistake can destroy the future. Or well, just change it. If that's what Back to the Future Part 2 is about... Um, is Back to the Future Part 1 about how one like moment of defiance can change the future for the better? Um, I think Part 1 was the only thing I take away from Part 1 is... Wrong place, right time, right place, wrong time. He's the one that fell out of the tree, not his dad, which completely altered everything. Yeah, but then his dad punching Biff changes. Like, it doesn't even give us the, the present time that we already knew, which is weird because Doc's not like, oh, no, we have to go back and change that. Yeah, that's why I say wrong place, right time, right time in the wrong place. Because that place should have never happened when he punches Biff. But it did because Marty was in the wrong place at the right time. Otherwise, you don't get him punching Biff because she would have just immediately fell in love with him and... Right. Do you get what I'm saying? No, I get what you're saying. <laughs> I, I'm just... I don't know. I think I'm wrapped up in my own nonsense. And I can't really... That was more or less of him being... It was just... That was just a movie. Part two was more than just a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I um, like that. <laughs> Part two is more. It's actually about something. <laughs> no, I mean it really. It. it, no, it I'm makes not disagreeing with you, man. <laughs> <laughs> it really makes a really big statement. I think the second one is far grander, more important, more impressive than the first movie. So, I mean, can you imagine if we ever master time travel? That'll be like. The history lesson on what not to do. Don't have sex with your mom. (laughs) Yeah. Don't use the the guide to go back and get rich. Don't use, you know, don't, (laughs) don't do a lot of stuff. Don't let (laughs) people recognize you in the future. Um, 
So this all seems familiar to me. So to end the Mr. Robot discussion, um, he goes back to his his apartment with this renewed vigor, undoes his deletion uh, in a sense, um, kind of restores things, and has a renewed purpose. And part of that is recovering an email that was sent to him by Trenton saying she can undo the hack. And you wanted me to jump to this earlier, but here's what it boils down to. So she had been looking into um, Romero. Romero had uh, a lot of stuff on his computer. Um, while it was severely damaged, the the police department was able to um, image a lot of the stuff on his hard drive. And she believes that Romero had planted basically these back doors to get back into it. To quote unquote undo the hack. And the FBI, the police didn't really know what they had and turned over everything to the FBI because of his eventual association to the 5-9 hack. And so now the FBI has the images of what's on Romero's hard drive, and they don't necessarily know what they have either. <laughs> Dom, meet Elliot. Elliot, meet Dom. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. So... Um, there's, there's a lot of good freeze frame stuff in there if you go through the episode. Um, but yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Uh, we're probably, if you don't want to listen any further, cause we've already gone a little bit longer than we intended. Thanks to my rambling. Well, on, honestly, in this episode, I, I think it's fair to say both of our ramblings. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'll admit to my part of the rambling. So, so that, that Avengers trailer, man. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, How stoked are you? Well, after I see Thor, I'll be more stoked. <laughs> Did it make you mad? No. <sighs> About the eye patch? No. Yeah, that's the only real spoiler. I mean, I guess kind of like spoilers, Black Panther survives the Black Panther movie. You know, <laughs> somebody give this man a shield. So here's the thing. Um, spoilers in general for the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the possibility of what is about to happen. Um, so we know where all the stones except for one of them is. So where do you think the last one is? Hold on one second. Would you go outside? Long giant pause. So, for those who don't know, I don't know if Ryan can Well, I wasn't me. ready for you to ask me a question. Okay, well. Uh, so, here's the deal. There are uh, 
six infinity stones. Uh, in the books, they're called gems. Um, we know where five of them are. We're missing the sixth one. The space stone, space stone is the blue cube, the cosmic cube from Captain America that Loki has possession of. You see him in the trailer with it. But if, if you haven't seen Thor Ragnarok, the last time you knew where it was, it was going into Odin's vault. So uh, somehow Loki has it. I guess that's kind of a spoiler for Thor Ragnarok. Um, the Mind Stone is the gem that was in Loki's staff. That lets him like control people's souls or whatever. That became the thing that brought Vision to life. That gave him humanity. Which in the trailer we see <laughs> Thanos ripping it out of Vision's head. We also see Vision looking human. Which is bizarre. Um, the reality stone is the ether from Thor the Dark World. Which they gave to the Collector. So that's where that is. But I'm assuming that Thanos just shows up and takes it from the Collector. Um, the Power Stone is from in, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy um, Volume 1 that the Nova Corp has, right? That's where they left it? Um, it's yeah, the... they left it with Nova, and he's he's got it, though, right? We don't know. I, I assume that, that what we're going to see is him already have the... Maybe it might open with him stealing the Reality Stone and him stealing the Power Stone. And he has to come to Earth uh, and Loki having the Space Stone, which I feel like what we see in the trailer is Loki giving it to Thanos. Because, like, that was the whole point of the first Avengers movie, right? That's all the perception that I've read is that's Loki giving it to Thanos. So, and he comes to Earth to rip the Mind Stone out of Vision's head. Um... The Time Stone is the Eye of Agamotto from Doctor Strange. We see him... So, that's two of the remaining stones are on Earth. At least two of them. So, he's going to show up, and they're in New York. So, he's going to show up in New York City, which we clearly see him do, because that's where Spider-Man is. Um, how awesome is the spider suit? And we see Doctor Strange and a few other people preparing to fight. And we see him ripping that stone out of Vision's head. So, and Vision's not in New York City, but they are in New York State. I think they're in upstate New York. So, that leaves one stone left. The Soul Stone. We have one movie in between um, now and when Avengers Infinity War comes out. Miss Marvel? Nope. Comes out in February, man. Black Panther. So he's got that stone. So that's what I think. Uh, that's and, where all that Wakanda war stuff comes in. Into play. So, yeah, and I saw some some friends of mine online who I guess they can make this joke. I'm not making this joke. How poorly timed 
and considered it is that the Black Panther, if the Soul Stone is in the Black Panther film and Black Panther comes out in February and that's Black History Month, it's the Soul Stone, you know. So it's like, well, that's just in poor taste. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, I, I, sure. If you want to take it, I don't think it was even thought out that much for it to be like a bad takes joke. A, yeah, that takes like a serious thought process. <laughs> I mean, I, it's kind of a funny coincidence, I guess, if, you know, if you think that's funny. But I don't. I don't think that it's like, oh, this will be funny. We'll give Black Panther the Soul Stone. But I mean, if they thought that was the case, I think they would have changed the name of the stone. But right. Um. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that what drives because Wakanda is a very uh, spiritual slash supernatural. Um, uh, country, like it's it's this weird combination of like spiritual, supernatural, and technology, and the fact, like the idea that they have an infinity stone, and that's what kind of drives that, is pretty interesting to me, at least. So I think that's what we're gonna see in Black Panther, um, and I. I also think that that's why we see a large portion of the Wakandan army, like, attacking somebody. Yeah, that's what I was talking about, yeah. Because the Soul Stone is there, and they're having to defend Wakanda. Um, which basically just tells me that a large portion of the Avengers Infinity War movie is going to be Thanos beating the hell out of all of the superheroes which is exactly how it should be man so oh, i don't think this will be like a winning type of movie this is going to be a much we feel defeated type of movie so yeah i won't get into like spoilers for what happens in the the comic books but there's there's at least one moment that i hope happens in the movie so, um, so yeah, anyway, we, we greatly, greatly enjoyed the trailer. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It will get you so hyped. So did you want to talk about anything else? Any more um, movies from 1994 that need mentioning? <laughs> Stargate, no. The Crow, Speed, True Lies. I mean, like I said, we could talk about Four Weddings and a Funeral, to. Clerks. We mentioned that 94 was great. Ed Wood, the Flintstones, Little Giants, Street Fighter is horrible. Heavenly Creatures, uh, early Peter Jackson movie. Uh, The Ref. Did you say Airheads? No, I didn't say Airheads. Star Trek Generations, the first crossover film. You know, Angels in the Outfield. Major League Um, Two, another sequel that's probably better than the original. Backbeat. Reality Bites, The Client, Double Dragon. Thank God we didn't pay to see that in the theater. Although, Alyssa Milano with short hair, definitely dig it. I got them here in alphabetical order. Camp, <laughs> Camp Nowhere, The Chase. Camp Nowhere is fun. Time Cop. That's a comic book yep, movie. Yeah, Time Cop. Time Travel movie. Yep. And Time Travel. 
Um, there was actually a movie that came out that year called uh, Red Rose, White Rose. Never it's a Japanese it. Japanese movie. Uh, Chunking Express came out that year. Wong Kar Wai's uh, film that was. I mean, pretty much Tarantino had to levy everything he had to get um, Miramax to like import that film. I think he was like, "No, we like you. This needs to come to the U.S." <laughs> uh, Renaissance Man makes nuts. Clean, uh, clean slate. <laughs> That's a fun, awful movie. Wolf. Which I think is not great, but definitely underappreciated. James Spider, great performance. Clear um, and Present Danger, Cobb. Wes Craven's New Nightmare, Angels Teller in the Outfield. <laughs> um, Junior, a god-awful movie. Little Big League, a movie about a kid doing a... a Here, I got a movie for your, to, to counteract your uh, Junior. Clifford, Martin Short, Charles Grodin. Yeah, it's pretty awful. Harry Steinberg. <laughs> North was in 1994. That that's like the death of Rob Reiner's career right there. North. The Cowboy Way. Cowboy Way is a fun movie, man. Yeah, great movie. The Crow. Um, D two. Uh, the original Fantastic Four came out in 1994. It was never officially released, but. Drop Zone, great B movie. Um, Hudsucker Proxy. Ed Wood. I said Ed Wood. Uh, I missed it. PCU. The Shadow. Exit to Eden. That's a terrible movie, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's an Anne Rice novel, too. Yeah. Trapped in Paradise. <clears throat> uh, Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. Early, well, kind of early. Uh, Ang Lee film. Ang Lee. Um... Four Weddings and a Funeral, would you say that? Yeah, I think so. Blue Chips, Terminal Velocity, uh, Eight the Seconds. The Getaway. Yeah, The Getaway. Um, the War with Elijah Wood and Kevin Costner, underrated film. Yes, very underrated. Greedy's underrated too. Yeah, I do like Greedy. Um, it Could Happen to You, uh, Nicolas Cage, you know, being Nicolas Cage. So... IQ, not so much of a good movie. No. In the Army Now, though. But it did have Tim Robbins, uh, Walter Matthau, and Meg Ryan. In the Army Now was in 1994. Uh, So was uh, the one with Danny DeVito, where he was in the Army. Oh, Um, Mark Wahlberg's first movie. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that was 94. Um, Crap, what's it called? You got to look it up, man. I'm looking for it. Uh, Renaissance Man. Yeah, Renaissance Ah, Man. Swimming with Sharks back before Kevin Spacey, back before we knew Kevin Spacey was like a piece of crap. So Uh, There was a lot of Spacey movies if you look through all of them. Uh, Iron Will, Mackenzie Aston, Kevin Spacey. I forgot about Iron Will. Blank Man? That's a terrible movie. <laughs> Last Seduction. Peter Berg. Bill Pullman. Linda Florent. Fiorentino. Yeah, I never got into it. Lightning Jack. 
Paul Hogan thinking he can do something other than Crocodile Dundee. Little Buddha, Keanu Reeves, Chris Thinking Isaac. he can do something besides Bill and Ted. <laughs> Little Giants, I think he said that. Yeah. City Slickers too, man. So It the, was alright. Yeah, the, not quite as good as the first. <laughs> uh, there was, it, it's a weird year for Tarantino with Killing Zoe, which... Was he a producer on? Go research it. Uh, it. Him and his best friend... Roger Avery. Yeah. And they had a falling out because of... Tarantino sold off everything he could to get... A, Pulp Fiction. And, and B, like you said, he wanted... Uh, you were just talking about it. Oh, he was kind of levying everything to get some foreign films over. Specifically, yeah. um, Chunking Express. Like, and it I was said, released on video, like, I, with, like, the Quentin Tarantino Presents title or some crap like that. So... Well, there's a... There's a... You can look up Tarantino's greatest movie moments, and there's a movie called Sleep With Me. Yeah. And he has this whole discussion of Top Gun and how it's based on a bunch of gay men and uh, the whole you can be my wingman anytime is them telling each other shirtless volleyball yeah (coughs) Um, you can look that he was in Sleep With Me which was Eric Stoltz yeah Meg Tilly and was that in 94? yeah that's crazy man Radio Land Murders 1994 George Um, Lucas going, look, I know Howard the Duck was a bad idea, but I've got this other movie that's a throwback. You know, it's got a lot of people in it. Actually, I really dig Radio Land Murders. (laughs) Well, and uh, uh, Natural Born Killers came out in 94 too, which he sold, which is one of the scripts he sold to help get Pulp Fiction Fist of Legend was 1994. Uh, Backbeat was 1994. Underrated film about the history of the Beatles. Absolutely fantastic. Stephen Dorff, Cheryl Lee, Ian Hart, uh, directed by Ian Softley. Just freaking phenomenal movie, man. Like, if you've never seen Backbeat, especially if you dig the Beatles, you freaking owe it to yourself. It's so damn good. Yeah, I love that movie. Um, oh, uh, there was a... The, keep it Mr. Robot. There was a, a, a Christian Slater movie that came out in 1994. You were talking about it before we started. Ah, uh, shit. I don't even remember what it was called. No. Well, now I gotta edit uh. that. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Hollywood. The Barry Levinson yeah. movie? Yeah, Barry Levinson. Terrible, yep. man. <laughs> no, I didn't think it was terrible. Oh. It was tragic. I didn't think it was terrible. The Scout? Um, that was one of those baseball movies that, that, like you think Jimmy Hollywood is terrible. A lot of people think that's a terrible no, movie. I, don't, I, just, I just think it's okay. I think it's better than people give it credit for. 
So, like, I know people that fondly remember Rookie of the Year, and nobody remembers uh, Little Big League. Little Big League is a fantastic film. And so, oh, Guyver. No, Guyver Dark Hero. That wasn't the original Guyver. That was a sequel. I was about to say, no way Guyver came out. In that. that was the 80s. Yeah, that was the 80s movie. So, if you don't know what Guyver is, man, Mark Hamill thinking he can do anything besides Luke Skywalker or voice the Joker. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that's all the, the 1994 movies. It's a, it's a great little watch list. There's some great movies. And then there's some really good bad movies on there. Even the really good bad movies are good, though. No, Street Fighter's not good. I liked it. If it's on TV, I'll watch it. Why? If there's nothing else to watch, I'll watch it. Oh, God. Blank Screen is better than Street Fighter. <laughs> like the snow that something people the kids nowadays would never understand like snow on TV what are you talking about but you know what I mean like that's more interesting than freaking Street Fighter so anyway we'll be back next week talking um, more Mr. Robot um one of us will probably have seen um, uh, what did I say I was going to watch? Oh, The Punisher. <laughs> One of us will probably have seen The Punisher. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, two weeks till Star Wars, man. Yeah, but I'm still not going to see it till Christmas. So if I go see it, I should just not tell anybody that I went to go see it. You can tell me you saw it. I just don't want to know anything about it. Like, even if it's good, you don't want to know? Like, if I, I mean, just tell you, it's like, it's the greatest Star Wars film of all time. I mean, if you feel the need to tell me that, that's fine. It's not going to... Now, if you tell what, well, even if you say it's the worst, yeah, if you feel the need to tell me that, that's fine. Um, I mean, in a world where uh, Revenge of the Sith exists, there's no way it could be the worst Star Wars film of all time. See, and I like Revenge of the Sith, so worst Star Wars film ever. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> I thought it would be fun to end on that. Here's a little edge for the never believer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's a little ghost for the offering. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's a truck stop instead of St. Peter's. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mr. Andy Coffin's gone wrestling.